Welcome to SUM Podcast. Today's message is from Chancellor George Snow. We pray that God speaks to you through this message. Thanks for listening. Brother Matt, team. Well, it feels good to finally be back in the pulpit. It was great to have Pastor Brett and, and uh, Pastor Shane Warren with us. Uh, breaking the bread of life with us. They both did just an incredible job. Just thank them for their, you know, for honoring us with their presence. Today, I want to go right back to Hebrews eleven three again. I just, uh, you know, I've tried to do my best. You never give that many weeks off to a preacher. Come on, somebody. I got more notes than I know what to do with. So I did my best to whittle them down, but I do feel like I got something I want to share with you. Again, especially for those with kind of that apostolic thing happening in your life, you feel like God's calling you into something, I uh, just feel like he's got a word for you today. Again, verse 3, that simply says, by faith we understand. Father, we just thank you today again for your word. Pray, God, it's our desire to pull up to your table God, to feast upon your word, God, and push away full and be changed, God, be transformed by your word and the sharing of your word. So God, today, hide us behind the cross, allow your son to be exalted in everything that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's obvious from this scripture here that faith really opens the treasure chest to God's wisdom. You know, the ultimate, we know that the ultimate manifestation of God's wisdom, of course, is, is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and 30 says this, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, 30 says, but it is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God. And we know that to be a truth. But today I kind of want to speak to you a little bit about the idea that uh, if you know you're called into ministry, I can just about promise you there will be one prayer that will dominate your prayer life. If it hasn't yet, it will. And that is simply the prayer for wisdom. If you probably look at most of the situations you are facing today in your life, it is probably rooted in the cry for wisdom. Lockyer said this, it's the ability to judge correctly, to follow the best course of action based on knowledge and understanding. The whole idea, again, is the sound judgment, reliable, sound, reasonable, and got in a word, just sound judgment. Deuteronomy 4, 6 talks about its wisdom that exalts a nation. Keep the commandments and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples uh, who, will, who they will hear of these statues and will say, surely this is a great nation, is a wise and understanding people. Proverbs 3 talks about uh, joy. In finding God's wisdom, happy is the man, uh, of course, when talks about that's man, woman, who finds wisdom, the man who gets understanding for the gain from it is better than gold and silver and its profit better than gold. She's more precious than the jewels. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Are you listening? Come on, somebody. Nothing is that compares for the, you know, the wisdom of God, man. We just, we need it. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are, are pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. For those who hold her fast are called happy. My son, keep sound wisdom and discretion. You know, this is, you're going to see this where wisdom runs out there and attracts all these other words that we're going to talk about a little bit about today. Let them not escape from your sight and they'll be life to your soul 
and adornment to your neck. So I'm going to look at three passages today and basically three words. And I'm going to do my best to kind of get to the etymology of the words, kind of the origins of them. Uh, I think they'll help you uh, because this is probably one of those areas that, you know, in my life has just meant so much as I have tried to do my best to really kind of understand them. And it's really the idea of the word wisdom, uh, understanding, and knowledge. And let's look at it from the scripture. Turn over to Exodus 35, 31 with me. It says this, Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called uh, by name Bezalel, the son of Ur, the son of Ur the, the, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship. Then he kind of breaks it out. Where does this go? To create designs for working in gold and silver and in cutting of the stones and for setting in the car and for carving of the wood so as to perform its, you know, again, its intent of work or its intent of purpose. Uh, Kaplan said this about the Hebrew language. He said, words are extra deep and extra meaningful because they refer to some dim uh, many dimensions of reality at once. In a, in a holy language, no word is me uh, uh, merely unilateral or uh, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't get much sleep. Utilitarian, uh, defined by a single function. Every word is a metaphor that connects the divine and the human, the, the heavens and the earth, the macroisms, the microcosms. And this one here is the word uh, mishkan, refers to a portable sanctuary in the, in the wilderness, literally means a dwelling place for God. So when we look at this verse in Exodus, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, there suggests the three qualities that are necessary for each one of us to build this mishkan. The idea of the dwelling place for God. If you don't have them, it's hard to do it. They're not incidental qualities, but they're qualities of what you and I need to build a dwelling place for God. Proverbs 3 is another one, 19 through 20. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom. He established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the ocean's depths were burst open and the clouds drip with dew. Uh, wisdom kind of gets us started on the task, you know, brings a thought to a reality. Understanding gives us the plan so it's able to be sustained of what has been built from this scripture. Knowledge, knowledge of course, helps us make the distinctions of, of just exactly uh, by a skill set of what we need for it to fulfill its intended purpose. So if you look at Proverbs 3, and then you look at the previous one in Exodus, you learn real quickly about what it takes to build these dwelling places for God. Uh, Caplin put it uh, this, he said, but these verses from Proverbs do more than just help us clarify the verse from Exodus. They actually offer us a whole new interpretation of the meaning of activity of building the Mishkan. The Proverbs, the words wisdom, understanding, and knowledge describe not only the building of, of it, but the creation of the world. By using these three words, even in Proverbs draws a parallel between the building of the sanctuary and the creation of the world, the creation of the Mishkan, again, the, the whole idea of the tabernacle, a dwelling place for God. Uh, imitates the creation world. The idea here is that if we're going to build this place, this dwelling place, which we pray all our ministries are, right? That's what we want them to be, is a dwelling place for God, for God to be a part of. It says the same way that God entered the, that dwelling place that was built is the same way that God sat over the universe and dwells. And he says it's that same power that you and I have to transform the world, of course, by his presence entering in. The next one is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, which I've stated you guys before is like one of those uh, steering scriptures that God gave me when I first started SUM uh, way back when. Uh, but it was this, by wisdom, a house is built. And he just spoke this so vividly into my heart. 
By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it's established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Again, the idea that a household, now we move down to a household like a ministry, the same skill sets, the same words, you know, about building this dwelling place again for God. Uh, the idea that our home is built up the wisdom, builds it on a sure foundation that his presence may enter. When you read all of these occurrences, uh, the key words again, you see that the same three qualities, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in each case is needed in order for us to build a dwelling place for God. Amen. You can say amen to that. So whatever you're doing, whatever God's called you to do, man, you, you got to be praying continually. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your understanding. Come on. You get me? God, I need your knowledge. Otherwise, you're going to try to build it in your own strength and in your own power, and it's going to fail every time. I mean, you ought to just spend hours in your prayer time, you know, speaking and crying out for the wisdom of God to help you. So I know that when we look at these, this passage and you look at these three words, I, I already get it. You don't even have to go there for the Hebrew scholars in the house. I know many times they're synonymous, they're interchangeable, but I'm going to kind of do my best to unpackage them. You know, Gurkin, she talks about all the, the various literature that's been written about these three words. He said, we still don't even understand the concepts of them. So I'm going to do my best to kind of do it. So when we look at wisdom, the parent root of that is ham, which means a heat. Uh, it's the root word again, uh, hakma, which means wisdom. And you look at this, the original pictograph of it was a wall that separates one side from the other. Uh, again, it also was a picture of water. So when you look at this separation of water, you add heat to it, what do you get? You get the evaporation. So wisdom, the word again, hakma, is the idea of the separation of thought. You get me the separation of what is good vs. what is bad. You can also talk about either a skill, again, a, a craftsman or a wiseman. You see that Second Chronicles 2.7. And now send for me a, a man of skill, again, Hakma, to work in gold, do it around me. 113, provide for yourselves a wise, again, Hakma, man in understanding and know uh, for your tribes, and I will set them as rulers over you. Understanding, same kind of idea when you get back to its root or its derivatives. Uh, the word understanding, uh, and you get to the uh, one part of the root, actually means to understand. The other means, part means to build. So the idea in order to build or construct something, one must have the ability to plan and understand the process needed. So that kind of gives you an idea of what the word understanding there. You know, you got to be able to discern in building the construction of whatever God is that, he, that he's called you to. Uh, give me a second. I got two pages here stuck together. All right. And then when you get to the word knowledge again, this is uh, data, the same thing, the meaning of door. And this one was kind of interesting because the pictograph is a, is a door, the idea that the door swings back and forth. But it also in the pictograph script was the eye, the idea that this door is swinging back and forth and that the eye is watching it. You get me? That the eye is watching very closely, very carefully, examining every move back and forth. So again, this, this whole idea of knowledge is this intimate knowledge that you gain, amen, from your study. Somebody say amen. Thank you for those three. The other area is, again, through experience. But it's this intimate level. Will not God search this? For he knows, come on, how many know how God knows you today? Amen. There ain't no shadow with that part of it. 
again, more knowing's always about this personal uh, intimate. It's like when we say, well, I know Charlie. Well, you really don't know Charlie. Well, in the Hebrew, when you say you know somebody, you literally know them, you know, intimately. That's what genera- uh, Genesis 18, 19, when God said that he knew Abraham. It's that it was very close. He understood. Same thing with Genesis 4, 1, where Adam said, I knew Eve. It's that intimate knowledge. Knowledge into me built upon, you know, once again, study, learning, and through experience so that they, it would function and fulfill the task that's before it. And here's kind of like, I just want to take a two-minute station break. Can I do that? I actually put it in my notes. I want a station break right here. Because I totally agree with, with David Orrin. I'm not stepping on toes in here, but I'm just going to tell you, this whole di- uh, time we live in with this culture of fast knowledge, there really is no such thing, people. You get me? Like, there's no distinction bef- before, between the bombardment of information and what knowledge is, and wisdom is just like kicked out the door. And I love what he says. He says, if all this were true, uh, it, would be, it would follow that computers are fast overtaking humans as the next intelligent species. Or to put it differently, the two species have uh, colluded for some time to produce smarter machines and dumber people. Come on now. As we have advocated, you know, our mental capacity, and I just say this to the teachers, you know, I just exhort you, we can't stop teaching. Come on now. We have still got to continue to teach. We've got to continue to impart wisdom to the students and hearts have got to be open to what we're sharing. And I know that that's counter, you know, culture today. But I still believe in it. That's why we get in this generation. I hear so much. If I hear one more thing about multitasking, I'm going to go crazy. There's no such thing as multitasking, guys. I mean, there is to a certain extent. Uh, but there's just no way that a person, you, there's no way you can do your homework, write a decent paper, at the same time checking out your social media. I knew I wasn't going to get a one amen on that. And I never agree with, <laughs> I shouldn't say never, but uh, you're, this is probably the only time in 30 years I've ever quoted a psychiatrist. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, you're like, Chancellor has sunk to new lows <laughs> you know, <laughs> to make his points. But this one's just too good not to say. Uh, Hallowell said this, a psychiatrist separa- uh, specializes in attention disorder. He says, calls multitasking. Multitasking, it's a mythical activity in which people believe falsely that they can perform two or more tasks simultaneously as effective as one. Mm, come on, somebody. Man, I remember when I was in grad school and I sat in the back of the class and, and it was amazing as the teacher was just in, was spending so much time imparting truth and I looked across the computers and like nobody was paying attention to the guy. Like some of you doing today with your phones right now. Come on. It's like you can't pay attention. It just it's, it drives me crazy. My heart was so broke, you know, when I looked at it. And it's just, again, it's just the idea of like, man, what, is, what are we doing here anymore? I mean, God's imparting truth, and how are we accepting that truth? You know, are you really studying? Are you really engaging with it? Or are you sitting trying to do multitasking? Because what it really shows, and I'm trying to help you with this, is it really speaks to your prayer life. Come on. It really speaks to your time with God. You don't realize it, but you shout it out to everybody around you, at least to me. Because I look at it and go, yeah, I can only imagine what this individual's prayer life's like. Because they're doing the same thing to God. 
Jesus today would not say, could you not watch one hour? He'd say, could you just watch five minutes? Could you just give me five minutes? Because you can't tear yourself away from your social media long enough to, for God to impart truth or long enough for you to be alone with him. That's why I can't stand seeing guys take cell phones in their prayer closet. Because if your email pops off or a text message, you right away, you're talking to God, it goes right, right well, no, this is more important than you guys. Could you just hold on one second? Man, I'm back. I say go in there with the old style. Come on. I ain't going to, I don't know. I didn't hear any beeps. Come on, somebody. Can't go in there. And, and I'm, I'm so nervous about a generation being raised that, don't, that has no idea what it means to focus upon God. And I just say to the teachers, you can't stop teaching truth, man. We've got to continue, continually impart wisdom and truth and pray to God that the generation steps in with us. So when we talk about wisdom again, Job 28, the God is the source of that wisdom. Uh, but where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Where does the wisdom come from? And where is the place of understanding? Verse 20 again, 23, 28, God understands his way. He knows its place for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens when it is parted, weighted to the wind. He assessed the waters by measure when he had made limit for the rain. And of course, the thunderbolt, he saw it, he declared, he established it. Come on, he searched it out. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom and turn away from evil's understanding. Again, so how do we get wisdom? Well, man, he's the source of the wisdom, amen? That's what we, we got to be turning him. 25 through 27, look what it says. He's the master builder. He's a guide to set plans. If he's constructing this edifice, I mean, it's just some crazy. He's measuring, he's etching, he's making grooves. He's this is all the wisdom that he wants to impart into you to build what he's called you to build. He's the source, you know, I, I, Gruden, I always like the way Gruden says, he says, God fully knows himself in all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. Nothing exists about creation, nature, man, or himself. He does not know. Imagine a limitless God knows himself limitlessly. And he knows us. He knows the past, the future, the present, man. Come on. He makes his wisdom known. It's not hidden, you know. Uh, Proverbs 1, 20 through 20, wisdom shouts in the streets of today. If you're feeling like, man, I'm lacking wisdom in an error, you need to realize today that God is shouting it out at you. Okay? Well, I can't hear him. Well, that ought to tell you something. Because it says, hey, I'm shouting at you. But I can't hear you, God. He's not whispering it. He's shouting it. And you're struggling hearing it. Maybe you might want to figure out what's plugging the ears up. Come on, somebody. He's shouting it out. It says he's at the head of the street, the noise, he's done all the noise that's going. He says, I'm shouting louder than the noise. Come on, somebody. At the gates. Does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice on the top of the heights? It's screaming out. But Proverbs 4 talks about that you and I, we got to seek it. Proverbs 4, again, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not abandon her, guard her, love her, watch over her. Beginning of wisdom, he says, the beginning of wisdom is to want to acquire it, to possess it. Proverbs 2, 1 through 7, he said, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure the commands with you, make your, here we go, get ready, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for, it, for if you cry out, come on, man, that's why I say it's going to dominate your prayer life. You think about the situation you are facing today, I promise you it's probably tied to a lack of wisdom. 
It says you ought to be crying out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as the hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge for the Lord gives wisdom. Come on. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Man, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That's what it says. We're to look for, we're to search for, we're to call for, we're to cry out for, we're to turn our ear towards it. And it's, you know, just look at Solomon, young kid, 20 years old. What's he do? He says, man, God said, what do you want? He said, man, I, I, I ask whatever you want. And he says, man, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead your people. Come on. I mean, I know he, he ended up a little crooked at the end. Come on, somebody. But he started out straight. If you look at that little piece in his life, if you just turn over to 1 Corinthians 11, 4, it'll give you some insight because it says when he grew old. Come on. It's one thing to be on fire when you're 20. Let me know how you're doing at 40. Let me know how you're doing at 50, 60, and 70. Come on. Just starts drifting away and becomes complacent. And the passion for things began to dwindle in his life. It's the starting point, of course, is the fear of the Lord. Look what it says, Psalm 11, uh, 10. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 10, 9, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. Job 28 and 28, behold, the fear of Yahweh, that is wisdom. (laughs) Come on. Luther said it's this fear, the fear of a child who is in awe of his father and doesn't want to do anything that would violate his father or disrupt their loving relationship. In a word, this concept has to do with reverence, awe, and respect. You know, Sproul put it this way. He said, when the, when the writers of the wisdom literature say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, they are saying that the absolute essential starting point, come on, is a fear of God, man. That's where true wisdom begins is this adoration, this love. Okay, but the idea that you and I are not the center of the universe. I say that to you all the time. It's rooted in humility, right? You seek wisdom. Why? Because you realize you need it. You humble yourself and say, God, I need you to step in the middle of this and light my world up because I lack wisdom in this given area. I need your insight. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who's wise in his own sight? Man, there's more hope for a fool than that guy. Come on, somebody. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and, and uh, shrewd in their own sight. Man, how in the world do you plan to dwell, you know, build a dwelling place that miss God for God in your own strength and in your own wisdom? We can't do it, people. That's why James 1, 1, 5 through 7, Behold, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It begins by you humbling yourself. Come on. Humbling yourself and saying, God, I don't know how to get from here to there. I need your wisdom. Quit with all the excuses and just admit that you're lacking the wisdom of God to take the next step. Man, I just spend hours every day praying in the Holy Ghost, walking and crying out, I need your wisdom. I spent two days, you know, on the road, just got back last night, and the whole time, my prayer time, my car ride, three and a half hours, come on, you're three and a half hours in Bay Area traffic, you're praying for wisdom, come on. (laughs) Please tell me how to get home the right way, God, (laughs) you know, but you're just always crying out, God, I need it, you know, and the beauty of, you know, the part with humility, and this is not just a humility before God, but before each other. You know, it's this idea, that's what Proverbs 15, 20 says, without consultation, plans are frustrating. But with many counselors, they succeed. Track with me on that thought. I'm almost done here. The way of a fool, Proverbs 12, seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Walk with wise men and you'll become wise. 
Get it? That's the whole idea. So in other words, there is this point that no matter how much George No may study on a given subject, come on, you follow me? I probably never get it down. I say this all the time about uh, uh, Dr. Charles when he and uh, Dr. Blisson get on the phone and they start talking about coding and stuff. I'm like, what are they even talking about? I just act like I know. Mm-hmm, yeah. You get me? I got no idea what they're talking. You, I could go to school for a zillion years. I wouldn't understand half that stuff. So what happens? What, is a, what does a wise person do? You go surround yourself. You humble yourself. You go get people like him. I don't know how to put all this camera, whatever, you know, for BNTS. Look at these guys back. These guys know it. You just go get the people that have the knowledge in the area. You don't. You don't have to be this like reservoir of all, you know, knowledge, whatever. So again, as I close out, just going through these real quickly, how I viewed them and how I viewed them most of my life. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding what it takes to build this dwelling place, you know, the ministry that God's called you to in a way that's pleasing unto him. Okay, the first thing again, wisdom. It's, separate, it's the idea of separation of thought. Remember that heat, the evaporation. It separates burden from vision, compassion from passion, job from calling. Come on, somebody. It's the birthing of a vision by the wisdom, by the word says, by wisdom, God founded uh, the earth. Come on. It brought it into existence. That's why Isaiah 55, 18 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Man, the heavens are higher than yours. So are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If God's thinking on a whole different level, that's why you cry out for it. You know, his, his, his wisdom is untainted from fleshly desires and fleshly motivations or feelings. You get me on that? He's not a part of that. He's Because he, you as I as Christians, we still can come on. We can have a little bit of carnality running around. Oh, I know I've heard from God. Have you really know that's God? You know how many times I hear somebody tell me I heard from God and a week later they ain't doing anything they told me? You know, the, the new direction SUM's heading in right now, I'm telling you, I spent four years in my prayer closet, which you guys are going to hear at the 30th anniversary. Four years before I was even had enough courage to tell my wife. And then I trickled it out to the board of directors and everybody else because I wanted to make sure, God, is this really you speaking? Is this just a George no good idea? Come on. Which will crash and burn? Or is this you? I got to know, God, is this you? Because we're soaking everything and we're going all in on this, God. Is this you? So when you're asking other people to jump into your craziness, come on, somebody. They just want to know how crazy is crazy. Come on. I mean, have you talked to God about this? Or not. If not, that's really crazy. I just want to know how much craziness am I getting into? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You go through these seasons of seeking God that the vision is birthed in your heart, you know, crying out to him. You know, because wisdom, it searches for understanding. That's like, I love Proverbs 8, 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. Wisdom's out there grabbing all the pieces that it needs. Understanding, the plan, the process. Proverbs 25 gives you a hint to this. A plan in the heart of a person is like deep water, but what? But a person of understanding draws it out. A man of understanding draws out the plan. 
That's what understanding is all about. Built upon a proper foundation through proper processes becomes immovable, impregnable. You know, I remember this with, where we messed up in Oakland. You know, hey, I had a bunch of skilled people that knew how to pour concrete, but there wasn't guys there to finish it out, and the concrete got all, you know, cattywampus. And trying to build on that foundation was a, was a disaster because the process broke down. You get me? Wasn't that people weren't skilled, but the process got messed up. And I remember I shared this story with you guys once before. I did the same thing when I was a welding for this company back when I don't know how old I was, just a kid. And I was one of the lead welders, you know. And, and when I welded, they were building these snowblowers for Sears, and I was welding the snowblowers. And they had all these special jigs that you had to use. And I kind of, you know, I just started kind of getting lazy, you know what I'm saying? You're smarter than everybody else. Come on, you ever been like smarter than everybody else? You know, when you're young, I'm just saying when you're young, that you guys are all old in here, so I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm going to get me an organ in here yet. But I was just like, I welded, I don't know how many, I must have welded like 30 of them. All of a sudden, you know, George, could you come to the front? I go over there, what's up? He goes, let me show you something here. And he tried to mount it. He said, the brackets are all off. Did you put all the clamps down when you were welding? Oh, wow, I messed up on the pro. He goes, yeah, you're, you're an awesome welder. This got nothing to do with your welder. This all to do is you messed up in the process here. You know, and, and that's a real problem for us. Now, can I tell you, the, the cool thing is that, see, we are welders, welders up here, grinders down here. So I was like, yeah, okay, no problem. Get the grinders over there to grind it. And he said, come here, let me help you. He said, guess what you are today? He said, you are a grinder today and probably tomorrow with all this mess you made. How many know you only had to do that one time and you learned, I'm going to get this process down right because <laughs> there was nothing worse than grinding metal all day long. So again, by understanding, God ensures that everything's built to specs to code, that it works out right, enables the vision to be refined along the way. And the last one is, again, knowledge, learn skills necessary to complete the task. You know, whether with you or helping others, either way, 2 Timothy 2.15, you guys know this scripture. Study to show yourself approved, amen? A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. Drives me crazy today, this total anti-intellectual spirit of our, of our times, you know. I don't need to study. You know, I don't need to know all of the Bible. You know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's all that matters. And Pentecostals, we're only one step worse. You know, I mean, we're like, well, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. The spirit of wisdom's on the inside of me. I don't never need to study. I mean, it's just craziness. It's absolutely crazy. Again, it's the same piece, you know, for me with the knowledge. You know, it's where I, I tell you this story before about when I was studying, you know, when I was playing my guitar, I'm on tour, you know, Mr. Rockstar doing all of what I'm doing, but I knew my guitar playing wasn't progressing. It just wasn't, you know, and I had to humble myself and just go to, you know, the conservatory and, you know, I had a guy just got it under an instructor that was an amazing guitarist. But at some point you got to humble yourself and admit what you don't know. Come on. And gain the knowledge that you do need. Again, it's about careful study and experience built upon facts. Man, you, how many people come up that you talk to act like they know what they're talking about? No, don't know a lick of what they're talking about. You follow me? I mean, most people that act like they know what they're talking about within three questions, I can have them burned. 
Like you don't know nothing about what you're saying. It's just, just nonsense. You know, some knowledge will, like I said, I'll never gain it. You know, I got to have the, you know, the Dr. Charles is around me dealing with the software and I got to humble myself and say, Hey dude, I, I, I need your help. You know, I'm never going to get this down. I'm not going to understand. You just got to know, you know, your limit, your limitations. You know, I was thinking, uh, um, the other, the other morning in, in the prayer devotion on, on, uh, on Monday, um, Speaking of Dr. Charles, uh, you guys were all praying, very asking various people to pray, and I had to actually watch Addie that morning. So she was part of the prayer time with us in the morning, and she was listening. And then Dr. Charles got up and began testifying about what God was doing that week through, through the people. And Addie looked, looked over and she said, Papa, is he speaking Spanish? <laughs> I said, sometimes I wonder, kid, I got to admit to you, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> She's speaking Spanish. I said, no, I think that's just broken English, but he's doing a good job at it. <laughs> so you got to surround yourself, man, with people that just know, you know, what you don't know. And just humble yourself. Again, it's all about kingdom advancement. Okay. That's what, we're, that's what it's about. Let's stand together. Again, my, one of my favorite passages, you know, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision down, ascribe it on tablets. So the one who reads it may run for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hurries towards a goal. It will not fail though. It delays wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay long. I can just tell you that the next step in the SUM vision is I get out and share. Um, I was in the Bay, like I said, for a couple of days, the reception of where SUM is heading is just, it's over. It's almost overwhelming. You know, just the reception, the way the way the churches are responding to it, it's just just incredible. And you just they, and each time it's just this assurance in your spirit of God saying, "Come on, you know, you're on the right path. You're hearing it." And each each journey, each one of the departments, you know, I speak to the department heads in here, man. Well, come on, we we got to be crying out for wisdom. You know, God ain't asking you to do that job in your own strength. You know, or, or, or your own understanding or within your own knowledge. Come on, we, we need each other. And uh, we know we're taking a major leap forward with the college and, and it's going to take, man, the wisdom of God to get us there. And I say the same thing for you folks, just as you see us as a team here crying out, man, whatever God's called you to, you know, just get in your closet, shut all the craziness. He said, go into your secret place, shut the door. Leave your cell phone, your laptop on the outside of that door, far enough away that if it's dinging and binging, you can't hear it. And just get alone with him. He will speak to you. But he's not going to speak to you on your terms of all the chaos and all the noise and all the craziness. You're going to forever wonder, oh God, what are you calling me to do? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to build? How am I going to do it? You don't realize, but every time I hear people say that, I go, mm-hmm, that speaks a lot to me about the prayer life. It's like, man, get along with God, because he's shouting. He's shouting at the top of his lungs, man. He's trying to get, to get across to you, and that's the way I look at it. You know, when I was in my hotel room, you know, I, I just walking and praying, I just kept saying to him, even though it was hard to hear, like, what are you saying? I kept going, God, I know, according to you, where you're shouting at me right now. You are shouting the solution. You are shouting the path. God, you are giving me the understanding. You're giving me the knowledge that I need to fulfill. I mean, I got a, I got a whole book full of the thoughts of God. Come on, in the ways of God. 
So I'm just going to continue to devour it and say, God, help me. Because God, I want to I build that Mishkan. Get me? I want to build that dwelling place for you, God. And again, that scripture, you know, the idea that God, the, he said, by knowledge, it'll be filled. You, it's going to be built by understanding, you know, it'll be established and the rooms will be filled. I held on to that. God just saying, as wide as that dream gets, I'm going to fill it. And I'm holding that. As SUM begins to position itself worldwide, I just keep saying it, God, you're going to fill it. You're going to, you're going to do it because you promised it in your word. Amen. And he's faithful. And I just say it to you that he wants to do the same thing in you guys' lives. Don't look at it and say, well, I'm too young. I keep going back to you guys. I mean, man, I was whatever age, 23, 24, whatever it was when God spoke the vision in my heart. Started it when I finally got to it when I was 29. So please don't tell me you're too young. All you got to do is shut everything out and get a hold of God. Get in your closet and get serious. Spend some serious time with God. You're struggling because you don't have alone time with Him. Hear me? You just got too many things going on in your life. You just got to shut some things down and get where He's called you to be. Because the fire, the dwelling, you get, when you build a dwelling place, it's all about Him filling it, right? If you get where He wants you to get doing what He's called you to do, He's going to fill it. But he's not going to have you build some tabernacle on your own and say, here's where I want you to get, God. Come over here and fill this. God's like, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. That's a, t- that's a tabernacle you built in your own strength and in your own power, your own processes, your own wisdom. You get me? Your own understanding. And now you want me to bless it. I, 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 he's not going to do that. Wisdom begins and ends with him. Amen. <laughs>